You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. As I mentioned earlier, we're looking at the book of Ephesians and, uh, you know, all scripture is useful to our lives and uh, has got a a place to to build us and to grow us. And uh, last Sunday, Tom started us off in our, our Sunday service and uh, we looked at Ephesians 1, verses 15 to 23, and, and looked at the, the, these five areas that Paul starts his letter off with, and, and this prayer that we would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation to know Him better. I don't know if you prayed that prayer over your lives this week, but I know even in our prayer times together, we prayed that, God, we would know You better. Uh, sometimes it's so easy to fall into just a a mindset that we just kind of know it already. We know God already. We, we, we've been there, done that, got the t-shirt. But actually, God has so much more. He is such, He's infinitely greater than we can imagine. He's, He's more than we can imagine. And so, He has this, uh, He, He wants us to seek after Him. So this prayer of, God, I, I want to know you more, but I need your revelation to see you better and know you better than I do now. We need Him to help us with that. We also to, to know the hope to which He's called us. To, to know the riches of His inheritance. To know the great power that is for us who believe. It's, it's there. But it's the revelation we need to tap into it. You know, we have power in our building right around us. And, and it's there. Whether or not we plug into it, we turn the switch on, is up to us. But the power is in our building. And the power is in us. This temple, the Holy Spirit, and, and we need that revelation of how to tap into the power that is already in at work in us. We need to know. We need to grow in it. But also we need to know our place, that Christ is the head of His body. And we are the fullness of Him in this world. We are the, His representatives. And to know our place in that. And so today we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. So we're going to carry on in this uh, really just the next chapter over. Uh, and it says this, Ephesians 2, 1 to 10. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin, in which you used to live when you were followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at, at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ. Even when we, uh, we were dead in, in, trans, um, sorry, in transgressions, it was by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved not, uh, through faith. This is not from ourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which He, sorry, which God prepared in advance for us to do. What a great passage of scripture. We have, as we read this, 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 this passage, these 10 verses, we, we have, we start with this original state and that uh, we see that this original state, all of us 
come into this world with. We, we've all fallen short to the glory of God, correct? We don't have to teach children to be bad. They're bad all on their own. We have to teach them to do good because in us, we have this fallen nature, this, this flesh desires that actually goes contrary to what God, God desires for our lives. And so these first three verses paint this picture of all of our lives without Jesus, following the ways of the world and looking to gratify the cravings of our, our old nature, our flesh. And the crazy thing is, is that if we gave way to every desire that was from within our old nature, if we just gave way to it, we, we didn't care about morals, we didn't care about laws, we didn't care about people around us, and we just ran after every desire and craving we had, do you know what, where that would lead us? Death. Our old nature craves the very things that will lead us to the grave. It's amazing. If we gave way to every feeling, every emotion, every desire of our hearts, it would just lead us to captivity. It would lead us to a place of bondage and it eventually lead us to death. You know what? That is the nature that we were all, we all came into this world from. We were all subjects of wrath. We were all had a, had a, a, a a stain against us, a, a written law against us, that, that we were lawbreakers, that we were, we were, perp, we were people that were deserving of punishment because of the sin that each one of us has. All of us have come into it from the exact same perspective. We're all fallen short of God's best. Even those that are, seem nice and tidy on the outside. You know what? All of us miss the mark on the inside. This is what Paul says. This is where you once were. Church of Ephesus, this is where you were. We were all in this position of just craving the desires of our old nature. The problem is that uh, I've discovered in my own life is that our, our flesh is never satisfied. Have you discovered that? That the things that we think, if I, oh, if I just had that, I'll be then happy. And actually, the problem is the flesh tempts us with things that never satisfy us in the end. And so we have it. And maybe for a moment, there's a there's that, that moment of, oh yeah. But then we hunger a little bit more and a bit more. And the thing is that the flesh always desires more. You know, it's, we, we see with drug addiction that, that that thing play out. And drug addiction, you know, obviously becomes very obvious to, to the person who, who's struggling with it, but equally to the people watching. But you know, all of us are like drug addicts when it comes to our simple nature. We, we, if we give way to things, actually they start to take root in our lives. And actually no matter how we, you know, we, we might even want to try to stop doing things, but actually there's this hunger in us that if we keep feeding our old nature, actually it starts to become more and more powerful and begins to control us. It craves the very thing that hurts us. The things our flesh loves is contrary to God's best, His holiness. And without Christ, this is the state of our lives and our future. It, 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 we, we could, if we ended the passage just in verse 3, like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Full stop. Now, what I love about Scripture is that there's a but. And in the next verse, it says, but. I want you to say, but. Or say, however. You see, when God brings a however or a but into the equation, it's the game changer. I mean, it's the big game changer. 
it's, it's a huge game changer because actually this but, this however, is God's intervention. We were by nature subjects of wrath. We were by nature fallen short of his glory and, and so thus deserving punishment and death. However, however, this is what we see in this next few verses that God was not willing to leave us in this state of hopelessness and helplessness, but God out of his great love for us, his great love, not just love, but great love for us. In fact, in these few verses, we see the greatness of his love. We see the riches of his mercy. We see the incomparable riches of his grace and we see his kindness expressed to us. We see grace. We see riches of his kindness. We see this great love all summed up in God. In this however, in this but. What did God do? God has done the following. He made us alive with Christ. He canceled the debt against us and, and he bore our wrath. He bore our sin. He bore all the things that were written against us. He paid for it once and for all. And I realize this might be basic stuff for those who've walked with Jesus for a long time. But I tell you what. He was writing this to the church saying, however, guys, you were once in this state, but now Christ in his great love has set you free from all that and made you alive in Christ Jesus. He's put new life in you. You're no longer the old people. You are the new people in Christ Jesus. He made us alive with Christ and raised us up. He raised us up. He seated us with Christ in heavenly places. He, he put us in a position of, of close relationship with the Father. God isn't somewhere out in the universe that is then inaccessible to us. But actually, we are raised up with Him in Christ Jesus. Where is Christ? He's seated beside the Father. Where are we? We're seated with Him beside the Father. We're there. What is God thinking? Let's ask Him. He's right there. Why? Because we're there. You see, we're seated with Christ in heavenly places, but also that, that gives us an understanding that when we're raised up, we're put into position of authority. God has given us this authority, so no longer are we subject to wrath and, and this condemnation written against us, but actually we're living in this space where we're, we're, we've been raised to life and now we're raised into this position where we have authority and power over sin and death because of Christ Jesus. We're now in a position where we're no longer the tail, but we're the head. We're, we're no longer caught in this captive state, but actually we're living a life now called to freedom in Christ Jesus. We're raised with Him. That is our position. Full stop. Whether you believe it or not, that's where you are in Christ. If you put your faith in Jesus, you've been raised with Him in Christ Jesus. You've been raised into heavenly places with Him in a spiritual, uh, in a spiritual sense. So He made us alive. He, he raised us up and He's given it all as a gift. You think that's a great story, but how much does it cost? It costs nothing to us. It's a great gift that God says, you know what? I love you so much. My love is so great. I will pay this ultimate price. I want to show this, this, the, 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 the greatness of my love by giving this to you as a free gift. As a free gift. You think there's got to be a catch to it. Like the postal code lottery. There's got to be a catch. Yeah, there's a catch for the postal code lottery. You've got to pay money. But with this, it's a free gift, meaning that actually all we have to do, we receive it in one way and one way only, and that's by faith. You just have to believe. 
You just have to believe. You just have to trust God. Now, I tell you what, a lot of Christians miss this. It is by grace and not by works we've been saved. And, and I think the church and, and, and the early church and even the church of today, we, we start to muddle up what is law and what is grace. You see, we are saved by grace, full stop. What is his grace? His unmerited favor. His undeserved favor on our lives is what his grace is. Which means there's nothing I can do to earn his, his, his love and his forgiveness any more than he's already given. That means the worst murderer, the, the, the pedophile, the, the person who's robbed banks and done all sorts of atrocious things, killed people. His love and his grace is enough for that person, just like it is for the person who seems to have done nothing wrong in their life. You see, we can't earn it. We can't earn his grace. And so to walk in that place of forgiveness and holiness and, and rightness with the Lord only comes by faith and not by works. Why? Because you can't boast about what you haven't done. You can't boast about what you haven't done. And I think that becomes a humbling playing field when we realize I am saved by grace. It isn't because I, I come to church and I give money and I do this and I've, 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 I play all the right you know, I do all the right rules that the church has given me. No, no, no. Actually, I'm saved simply because of his great love that was shown to me. And I simply believed. That's all I have to do is believe. How amazing is that? There's no catch. There's no catch to this story. It is by grace you've been saved. We only can receive it. God's intervention was entirely complete when Jesus died on the cross and said, it is finished. It was, in, it was complete. But the story doesn't end there. You see, we are saved. We've been brought to life. We've been raised up with Christ Jesus. But you know what? The passage keeps going. You think, how could it get any better? How could it get any better than that? I've been accepted by God, not because of my merit, but because of what he's done for me. How could it get any better than that? Well, it does. You don't believe me, but we're going to read it. Because he's given us a new identity and purpose. What does this say? What does this say in the last verse here? For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. Okay, so what's happened here? So we, we, we've been saved, we've been set free, but we've been given a new identity. We are God's handiwork, or in other translations, says His masterpiece created in Christ Jesus. We're no longer the old us, we're now the new us. God has given us a new identity. You're no longer just a sinner saved by grace. You are now the righteousness of Christ Jesus. I, he now stamps an identity upon our lives that is in Him. A new creation. You can't come to Christ and remain the same as you were because God gives you a new identity. Everything changes. Everything changes when you have a new identity. Just imagine. Just imagine. If suddenly you changed the color of your skin, you changed where you lived, you changed your family line, you changed, you know, the language you spoke. What would happen to your identity? 
It would change quite drastically, wouldn't it? What you thought of yourself. You looked in the mirror and suddenly you were a different person. That would take you by surprise, wouldn't it? Come on. But you know what? Spiritually speaking, at the moment we say yes to Jesus, that is exactly what happens. We are stamped with a new identity. We're, we're no longer, the old life is crucified with Christ and the new life is alive in Him and we are now His craftsmanship, His handiwork, His masterpiece. Whoosh! We're created for something amazing. Now here's an interesting thought. His plan is wrapped up in our new identity. You see, what happens for many Christians is we try to serve God from our old identity. The problem is, if I'm trying to serve God from my old identity, I never get it. Because I'm living from, an, from a context that's no longer existing. But God says, this is who I've made you to be. Now live from that perspective that this is who you now are. Our calling and our purpose is wrapped up in our identity in Christ, not in who you once were. You see, a lot of people, they don't move forward in their walk with God because they feel unworthy. You're not unworthy. Christ has made you worthy. Or you feel, I can't do that because I don't, I, I lack the ability or I lack the strength or I lack the confidence. Man, we can do all things in Christ who gives us strength. Why? Because that's our identity. We got superpower in us. The Bible says, he who raised Christ from the dead now dwells in me. And if that's my identity, and if I can do all things because God has given me this strength and this ability, then why do I live out of this identity that says, I can't do anything. I'm just a nobody. Man, you are a child of the king. You're not a nobody. You're someone God has called with a purpose and a plan, but you have to live out your life from the destiny and from the place that God now says, this is who you are. Now live it. Claim it. Be it. Who does God say you are? In Christ, the glass ceiling has been removed. The glass ceiling has been removed. We've shared in the past, I've shared a few times this passage that God is able to do immeasurably more than we can dare true dream or imagine through His power that is in work in us through Christ Jesus. He's able to do immeasurably more. But us, the requirement we have is to live from that identity. To take hold of what God has called us to be and now live from that space and not live from the space of who we once were. You see, again, a lot of energy we can spend as Christians is trying to be good enough for God to be pleased with our lives. So our whole energy, all of our energy is being, is being trying to stop doing certain things. I'm going to try to stop being a sinner. I'm going to try to stop being this old person I once was and, and all the while being just Kind of our, our focus is in our past, trying to not be this. When God is saying, you are a new creation. Actually, instead of trying not to be something, try to be who I created you to. Walk in this space that I've already given you. Live out that passport I've given of your life. This new citizenship of heaven. Be that person. You see, I believe grace causes us to rise. Man, I'm free from sin. So why do I want to keep doing it? I'm, I am the righteousness of Christ. So why would I want to keep doing that? God wants to do incredibly more things. I discovered that when I move in the things of His Spirit, when I go after what God has for my life, you know what? 
When that becomes my passion, when that becomes my heart, you know what? Sin doesn't have a hold on my life. But if I wake up in the morning thinking, oh, I just hope I don't sin today. Well, then it's like what Paul says. You know, I, I, I don't do the things I should do and I do the things I shouldn't do. And, you know, and he says, well, how, how, can I, how can I get out of this, this trap? And then he says, praise be to God. Christ Jesus. Jesus is the answer. Actually, it isn't living in this space. It's living in the space of this new identity in Christ Jesus. And I believe the more that we grasp His plan for our life, His heart for us, His identity for us, the less we are drawn to live in our old nature. And the more we are prone to live from that place of who God called us to be. For me, it was about 11, 12 years ago, I came to that revelation in my own life about God's grace. And I, I know I've shared again this probably in the past in the church. Of, I grew up in a church, talked about God's grace, but we live by the law. We're saved by grace, but boy, you had to keep the law. And the problem is you live in this tension of trying to, of trying to follow rules and you miss the grace. But when you live in that place of freedom, you, you desire, you, I discovered in my own life personally, there's an immense freedom that comes when I get my mind off of trying not to sin. And I get my mind on trying to be who God wants me to be in the sense of fulfilling his plan. And that's my, that's my pursuit. My pursuit is living this identity. Actually, I stop sinning because I'm living in a different space. All of us, if we've given our lives to Jesus, we're children of the King. We're forgiven. We're free. We're the righteousness of Christ. We're more than conquerors. We're chosen. And he says in this passage that he has prepared in advance good works for us to do. You and I are here on purpose. And when we look as we read through all of Ephesians, the good works He planned in advance for us to do and His plan for our lives doesn't just start at the point we gave our lives to Jesus. They started before creation. Before the beginning of the world. Before creation, I predestined. I, I had a plan for your life. And it isn't for you to live what you once were, but it's to live out this identity I've now given you. That was the big plan. And he's got good works in store for you to do. That he's planned in advance. When? A long time ago. Long before you were on this planet. God, we were in him already. And he had a thought of your life. He had a plan for today. We're not going through some kind of reincarnation. You're going to come back next year as a monkey. You are on he you're here on the planet at this point in history. Because God has determined that. And He has a plan for you at this moment in time that goes beyond what you could dare to dream or imagine. It goes far beyond that. But you have to understand the thought process. You were once this. Christ has redeemed you. He set you free. Now live this. This is the whole thought process of these ten verses. You were this, but you're no longer this. God has intervened. Boom, this space. But you don't stay here because this 
prepares you for this, which is your destiny, your future. The unlimited potential in Christ Jesus is in work for you and for me. Where are you in the storyline this morning? Currently living out the old nature? I just want to tell you this morning that it's a dead end, literally. If you're living to please self, I tell you what, it will never, ever satisfy. Ever. It'll never be enough. But I tell you, at the point you give your life and put your faith in Jesus, that is when true fulfillment comes deep inside. And I just, I plead with you this morning, if you have never made that decision, to make that decision to follow Him. Put your faith, so simple, put your faith in Jesus and what He's done for you. Maybe you've put your faith in Jesus, but you're still trying, you still feel like you don't measure up. Can I just tell you what? God's grace is enough. It isn't about you measuring up. And if you feel that cloud of unworthiness, condemnation, you know what? The Bible says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. None. Any condemnation, any sense of unworthiness, any sense of not measuring up, you know what? Those are just lies of the enemy. And today we need to take captive those thoughts and we need to declare what God says over our lives. The enemy will love. He's the law. He's the one who's broken the law himself, but he's also the accuser of our lives. And he wants to bring you down. Make you feel like you're just always messing up. Do you know what? God's grace is enough. God's grace is enough. And I want us this morning to claim that over our lives. In my weakness, He is strong. In the things I don't get right. You know, God has done enough for me. It isn't up to me. It's all up been done already by Jesus. Lastly, maybe you feel like your life lacks purpose. Can I ask you the question, are you living out your new identity? Or are you trying to serve God out of your old identity? When you look at yourself, who do you see? Do you see who God has created you to be? The new creation? Or are you trying to serve God from your old perspective? You know what? Let God take control of our lives. He is able to do immeasurably more than what we can dare to dream or imagine. We might fall in any one of those, or maybe all, all three of them to a certain extent. You know, this morning, the whole passage is talking about what Christ has done, and we just respond and receive it. We just take it on board and we say, okay, God, I'm yours. This is Ephesians. As we go through Ephesians, I tell you, it's a power-packed chap- uh, book of the Bible, going over and over our position, our authority, who we are, And I pray that something shifts in our hearts if we're struggling in any of these areas that we would live out from the place of truth, not the place of feeling or the place of lies. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.